0: Chapter 3 of The Mysteries of Paris, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Andy Minter. The Mysteries of Paris by Eugene Sue, Volume 1. Chapter 3 History of La Gouleuse. Let us begin at the beginning. Said the chourineur. Yes, uh, your parents, added Rudolph. I never knew them, said Fleur de Marie. Oh, the deuce! said the chourineur. Well, that is odd, Coileuse. You and I are of the same family. What? You too, Chourineur? An orphan of the Straits of Paris, like you, mon girl?' Then who brought you up, Coileuse? asked Rudolph. I don't know, sir. As far back as I can remember, I was—I think about six or seven years old. I was with an old one-eyed woman whom they called the Chouette because she had a hooked nose, a green eye quite round, and was like an owl with one eye out. Heh! <laughs> yeah, I think I see you, the old night bird," shouted the Chourineur, laughing. The one-eyed woman," resumed Fleur de Marie made me sell barley-sugar in the evenings on the pont neuf but that was only an excuse for asking charity and when i did not bring her in at least ten sous the chouette beat me instead of giving me any supper are you sure the woman was not your mother inquired rudolph quite sure for she often scolded me for being fatherless and motherless and said she picked me up one day in the street so said the chourineur "'You had a dance instead of a meal, if you did not pick up ten sous "'Yes, and after that I went to lie down on some straw spread on the ground, "'when I was cold, very cold. "'I oh, do not doubt it, for the feather of beans is very cold sort of stuff,' "'said the shurri "'A dung-heap is twice as good, but then people don't like your smell, "'and say, "How oh, the blackguard, where has he been?' this remark made rudolph smile while fleur-de-marie thus continued next day the one-eyed woman gave me a similar allowance for breakfast as for supper and sent me to Montfaucon to get some worms to bait for fish for in the daytime the chouette kept her stall for selling fishing lines near the bridge of notre dame for a child of seven years of age who is half dead with hunger and cold it is a long way from the rue de la mortellerie to Montfaucon but exercise has made you grow as straight as an arrow my girl you've no reason to complain of that said the chourineur striking a light for his pipe well said the goileurs i returned very very tired and then at noon the chouette gave me a little bit of bread ah eating so little has kept your figure as fine as a needle girl you must not find fault with that said the chourineur puffing out a cloud of tobacco smoke "'But what ails you, comrade? I mean, Master Rudolph, you seem quite down-like. Are you sorry for the girl and her miseries?' "'Ah, we all have have had our miseries.' "'Yes, but not such miseries as mine, sure in said Fleur de Marie. "'What? Not I, Gualos? Why, my lass, you're a queen to me. At least when you were little you slept on straw and ate bread.' "'I passed my comfortable nights in the lime-kilns at Clichy like a regular vagabond. "'I've on cabbage-stumps and other refuse vegetables which I picked up when and where I could, "'but very often it was so far to the lime-kilns at Clichy and I was tired after my work "'I slept under the large stones at the Louvre, and then in winter I had white sheets, "'that is, whenever the snow fell.' a man is stronger but a poor little girl said fleur-de-marie and yet with all that i was as plump as a skylark was you remember that i to be sure i do when the chouette beat me i fell always at the first blow and then she stamped upon me screaming out ah the nasty little brute she hasn't a farden's worth of strength she can't stand even two thumps and then she called me bari i never had any other name that was my baptismal name. Like me, I had the baptism of a dog in the ditch, and they called me fellow, or You, sir, or Albino. It's really surprising, my wench, how much we resemble each other, said the chourineur. That's true in our misery, said Fleur de Marie, who addressed herself to the chourineur almost always, feeling, in spite of herself, a sort of shame at the presence of Rudolph hardly venturing to raise her eyes to him although in appearance he belonged to that class with whom she ordinarily lived and when you had fetched the worms for the chouette what did you do inquired the chourineur why she made me beg until night then in the evening she went to sell fried fish on the pont Neuf. oh dear at that time it was a long while to wait for my morsel of bread and if i dared to ask the chouette for something to eat she beat me "'and said, "'Get ten sous, and then you shall have your supper.' "'Then I, being very hungry, and as she hurt me very much, "'cried with a very full heart and sore body. "'The chouette tied my little basket of barley-sugar round my neck, "'and stationed me on the Pont-Neuf, where in winter I was frozen to death. "'Yet sometimes, in spite of myself, I slept as I stood, "'but not for long, for the chouette kicked me until I awoke.' "'I remained on the bridge till eleven o'clock, "'my stock of barley-sugar hanging round my neck, "'and often crying heartily. "'The passengers, touched by my tears, "'sometimes gave me a sou, "'and then I gained ten and sometimes fifteen sous, "'which I gave to the chouette, "'who searched me all over, "'and even looked in my mouth "'to see if I had kept back anything. "'Well, fifteen sous was a good haul "'for a little bird like you.' "'It was.' "'And then the one-eyed woman, seeing that—' "'With her one eye,' said the chourineur, laughing. "'Of course, because she had but one. "'Well, then, she, finding that when I cried I got most money, "'always beat me severely before she put me on the bridge. (laughs) "'Brutal, but cunning! "'Well, at last I got hardened to blows.' "'And as the chouette got in a passion when I did not cry, "'why, I, to be revenged upon her, "'the more she thumped me, the more I laughed, "'although the tears came into my eyes with the pain. "'But poor goualeuse, did not the sticks of barley-sugar "'make you long for them?' "'Oh, yes, sure enough. but I never tasted them. "'It was my ambition, and my ambition ruined me. "'One day, returning from Montfaucon, "'some little boys beat me and stole my basket.' "'I came back well knowing what was in store for me, "'and I had a shower of thumps and no bread. "'In the evening, before going to the bridge, "'the chouette, savage because I had not brought in anything the evening before, "'instead of beating me as usual to make me cry, "'made me bleed by pulling my hair from the sides of the temples where it is most tender. "'Oh, John, that was coming it too strong.' "'said the bandit, striking his fist heavily on the table, "'and frowning sternly. "'To bait a child is no great thing, "'but to ill we'll use one so. Oh, "'Heaven and earth!' "'Rudolph had listened attentively to the recital of Fleur de Marie, "'and now looked at the chourineur with astonishment. "'The display of such feeling quite surprised him. "'What ails you, chourineur? he inquired. "'What ails me? Ails me! Why have you no feeling?' that devil's damn of a chouette who so brutally used this girl are you as hard as your own fists go on my girl said rudolph to fleur-de-marie without appearing to notice the chourineur's appeal i have told you how the chouette ill-used me to make me cry i was then sent on to the bridge with my barley-sugar the one-eyed was at her usual spot and from time to time shook her doubled fist at me However, as I had not broken my fast since the night before, and as I was very hungry, at the risk of putting the chouette in a passion, I took a piece of barley-sugar and began to eat it. Oh, well done, girl!' I ate another piece. "'Bravo! Go to it, my artist. I found it so good, not from daintiness, but real hunger. But then a woman who sold oranges called out to the one-eyed woman, ye there, Chouette, Perigot is eating the barley-sugar.' "'Ah, oh, thunder and lightning,' said the chourineur. "'that would enrage her, make her in a passion. Oh, poor little mouse, what a fright you were in "'when the Chouette saw you, eh?' "'How did you get out of that affair, poor goualeuse "'asked Rudolph, with as much interest as the chourineur. "'Why, it was a serious matter to me.' "'But that was afterwards, for the chouette, although boiling over with rage at seeing me devour the barley-sugar, "'could not leave her stove, for the fish was frying.' (laughs) "'Ah, true, true, that was a difficult position for her,' said the chourineur, laughing heartily. "'At a distance the chouette threatened me with her long hand-fork, "'but when her fish was cooked she came towards me. "'I had only collected three sous, and I had eaten six sous worth.' She did not say a word, but took me by the hand and dragged me away with her. At this moment I do not know how it was, and I did not die on the spot with fright. I remember it as well as if it was this very moment. It was very near to New Year's Day, and there were a great many shops on the Pont-d'oeuvre, all filled with toys, and I had been looking at them all the evening with the greatest delight. Beautiful dolls, little furnished houses— "'You know how very amusing such things are for a child.' "'You never had any playthings, had you, Goulers?' asked the Chourineur. "'Aye, mon Dieu, who was there to give me any playthings?' said the girl, in a sad tone. "'Well, the evening passed. Although it was the depths of winter, "'I only had on a little cotton gown, no stockings, no shift, and with wooden shoes on my feet. "'That was not enough to stifle me with heat, was it?' Well, when the old woman took my hand, I burst out into a perspiration from head to foot. What frightened me most was that, instead of swearing and storming as usual, she only kept on grumbling between her teeth. She never let go my hand, but made me walk so fast, so very fast, that I was obliged to run to keep up with her, and in running I lost one of my wooden shoes. And as I did not dare to say so, I followed her with one foot naked on the bare stones. When we reached home, it was covered in blood. Ah, oh, a one-eyed old devil's kin, said the chourineur, again thumping the table in his anger. It makes my heart quite cold to think of the poor little thing trotting along beside that cursed old brute, with her poor little feet all bloody. We lived in a garret in the rue de la Montellerie. Beside the entrance to our alley, there was a dram-shop. "'and there the chouette went in, still dragging me by the hand. "'She then had half a pint of brandy at the bar. "'Oh, the deuce! Why well, "'I could not drink that without being quite fuddled.' "'It was her usual quantity. "'Perhaps that was the reason why she beat me of an evening. "'Well, at last we got into our cock-loft. "'The chouette double-locked the door. "'I threw myself on my knees and asked her pardon "'for having eaten the barley-sugar. "'She did not answer me.' "'but I heard her mumbling to herself as she walked about the room. "'What shall I do this evening to this little thief "'who has eaten all the barley sugar?' "'Ah, I see.' "'And she looked at me maliciously with her one green eye. "'I was still on my knees when she suddenly went to a shelf "'and took down a pair of pincers.' "'Pincers?' exclaimed the shoemaker. "'Yes, pincers. What for?' "'To strike you,' inquired Rudolph. "'To pinch you?' said the chourineur. "'No, no,' answered the poor girl, trembling at the very recollection. "'To pull out your hair?' "'No, to take out one of my teeth.' The chourineur uttered a blasphemous oath, accompanied with such furious imprecations, that all the guests in the tapis franc looked at him with astonishment. "'Why, what is the matter with you?' Asked Rudolph, The matter, the matter. I'll skin her alive, that infernal old hag. If I catch her, where is she? Tell me where is she. Let me find her, and I'll throttle the old. And did she really take out your tooth, my poor child? That wretched monster in woman's shape," demanded Rudolph, whilst the chourineur was venting his rage in a volley of the most violent reproaches. "Yes, sir, but not at the first pull." How I suffered! She held me with my head between her knees, where she held it as if in a vice. Then, half with her pincers, half with her fingers, she pulled out my tooth, and then said, "'Now I will pull out one every day, Gott, and when you have not a tooth left, I will throw you in the river, and the fish shall eat you.' Ah, oh, that old devil! To break and pull out a poor child's teeth in that way!' exclaimed the chourineur with redoubled fury. "'And how did you escape her then?' inquired Rudolph of the Goualeuse "'Next day, instead of going to Montfaucon, I went on the side of the Champs-Élysées. So frightened was I of being drowned by the Chouette, I would have run to the end of the world rather than be again in the Chouette's hands. After walking and walking, I fairly lost myself. I had not begged a farthing, and the more I thought, the more frightened did I become.' "'At night I hid myself in a timber-yard under some piles of wood. "'As I was very little I was able to creep under an old door "'and hide myself among a heap of logs. "'I was so hungry that I tried to gnaw a piece of the bark, "'but I could not bite it, it was too hard. "'At length I fell asleep. "'In the morning, hearing a noise, "'I hid myself still further back in the wood-pile. "'It was tolerably warm, and if I had had something to eat "'I could not have been better off for the winter.' "'Like me, in the lime kiln, "'I did not dare to quit the timber-yard, "'for I fancied that the chouette would seek for me everywhere "'to pull out my teeth and drown me, "'and that she would be sure to catch me if I stirred from where I was.' "'Stay! Do not mention that old beast's name again. "'Makes the blood come into my eyes.' Fact is that you have known misery, bitter, bitter misery, poor little mite. How sorry I am that I threatened to beat you just and frightened you. As I am a man, I did not mean to do it. Why would you not have beaten me? I have no one to defend me. Oh, that's the very reason, because you are not like the others, because you have be no one to take your part. That I would not have beaten you. When I say no one, I do not mean our comrade Rudolph, but his coming was a chance. "'and he certainly did give me my full allowance when we met.' "'Go on, my child,' said Rudolph. "'How did you get away from the timber-yard?' "'Next day, about noon, I heard a great dog barking under the woodpile. "'I listened, and the bark came nearer and nearer, "'and then a deep voice exclaimed, "'My dog barks! Somebody is hid in the yard!' "'They are thieves!' said another voice, "'and the men then began to encourage the dog and cry, "'Find them! Find them, lad!' the dog ran to me and for fear of being bitten i began to cry out with all my might and main hark said one of them i hear the cry of a child they called back the dog i came out from the pile of wood and saw a gentleman and a man in a blouse ah you little thief what are you doing in my timber yard said the gentleman in cross tone i put my hands together and said don't hurt me pray i have had nothing to eat for two days "'and I've run away from the chouette who pulled out my tooth "'and said she would throw me over to the fishes. "'Not knowing where to sleep, I was passing before your door, "'and I slept for the night among these logs under this heap, "'not thinking I hurt anybody.' "'I'm not going to be gammoned by you, you little hussy. "'You came to steal my logs. "'Go and call the watch,' said the timber-merchant to his man. "'Oh, dear old vagabond! "'Oh, reprobate! Call oh, the watch!' "'Why didn't he send for the artillery?' said the shurringer. Steal his logs, and you only eight years old. (laughs) What an old ass!' "'Not true, sir,' his man replied. "'Steal your logs, master. How can she do that? "'She is not so big as the smallest piece.' "Mm, "'You are right,' replied the timber-merchant. "'But if she does not come for herself, she does for others.' "'Thieves have a parcel of children, whom they send to pry about, "'and hide themselves to open the doors of houses. "'She must be taken to the commissary, and mind she does not escape.' "'Upon my life! "'This timber-merchant was more of a log than any log in his own yard,' "'said the Chourineau. "'I was taken to the commissary,' resumed Goualeuse. "'I accused myself of being a wanderer, and they sent me to prison.' I was sent before the tribunal and sentenced, as a rogue and a vagabond, to remain until I was sixteen years of age in a house of correction. Oh, I thanked the judges much for their kindness, for in prison I had food, I was not beaten, and it was a paradise after the cock-loft of the chouette. And then in prison I learnt to sew, but, sad to say, I was idle, I preferred singing to work, and particularly when I saw the sunshine ah when the sun shone on the walls of the prison i could not help singing and then when i could sing i seemed no longer to be a prisoner it was after i began to sing so much that they called me goileurs instead of perigot well when i was sixteen i left the jail at the door i found the ogres here and two or three old women who had come to see my fellow prisoners and who had always told me that when i left prison they would find work for me "'Oh, yes, yes, I say,' said the chourineur. "'My pretty little maid,' said the ogress and her old companions. "'Come and lodge with us. "'We will give you good clothes, and then you may amuse yourself.' "'I didn't like them, and refused, saying to myself, "'I know how to sew very well, and I have two hundred francs in hand. "'I have been eight years in prison. "'I should like to enjoy myself a bit. "'That won't hurt anybody. "'Work will come when the money is spent.' "'and so I began to spend my two hundred francs. Ah, oh, that was my mistake,' added Fleur de Marie with a sigh. "'I ought first to have got my work, "'but I hadn't a soul on earth to advise me. "'At sixteen, to be thrown on the city of Paris as I was, "'one is so lonely. "'And what is done is done. "'I have done wrong, and I have suffered for it. "'I began then to spend my money.' First I bought flowers to put in my room. I do love flowers. Then I bought a gown, a nice shawl, and I took a walk in the Bois-de-Boulogne, and I went to Saint-Germain, Vincennes, and other country places. Oh, how I love the country! "'With a lover by your side, Marguerl,' asked the chourineur. "'Oh, mon Dieu, no, I like to be my own mistress. I had my little excursions with a friend who was in prison with me, a good little girl as can be.' "'They call her Rigolette, because she is always laughing.' "'Rigolette! Rigolette! I don't know her,' said the chourineur, who appeared to be appealing to his memory. "'I didn't think you knew her. "'I'm sure Rigolette was very well-behaved in prison, "'and always so gay and so industrious. "'She took out with her, when she left prison, "'at least four hundred francs she had earned. "'And then she's so particular. You should see her.' When I say I had no one to advise me, I'm wrong. I ought to have listened to her. For after having had a week's amusement together, she said to me, Now we have had such a holiday, we ought to try for work, and not spend our money in waste. I, who was so happy in the fields and woods, it was just at the end of spring this year, I answered, Oh, I must be idle a little longer, and then I will work hard. Since that time I have not seen Rigolette, But I heard a few days since that she was living near the temple, that she was a famous needlewoman, and earned at least twenty-five sous a day, and has a small workroom of her own. But now I could not for the world see her again. I should die with shame if I met her. So then, my poor girl, said Rudolph, you spent your money in the country. You like the country, do you? Like it! Oh, I love it! Oh, what would I not give to live there? Rigolette, on the contrary, prefers Paris and likes to walk on the boulevards. But she is so nice and so kind, she went into the country only to please me. And I did not even leave yourself a few sous to live on while you found work, said the chourineur. Yes, I had reserved about fifty francs. But it happened that I had for my washerwoman a woman called Lorraine a poor thing, with none but the good God to protect her. She was then very near her confinement, and yet was obliged all day long to be with her hands and feet in her washing-tubs. She fell sick, and not being able to work, applied for admittance to a lying-in hospital, but there was no room. She could not work, and her time was very near at hand, and she had not a son to pay for the bed in a garret from which they drove her. Fortunately, she met one day, at the end of the Pont-Notre-Dame, with Goubin's wife, who had been hiding for four days in the cellar of a house, which was being pulled down behind the Hotel Dieu. But why was Goubin's wife hiding? To escape from her husband, who threatened to kill her, and she only went out at night to buy some bread." and it was then she met with the poor Lorraine, ill and hardly able to drag herself along, for she was expecting to be brought to bed every hour. Well, it seems that this Goubin's wife took her to the cellar where she was hiding. It was just a shelter, no more. There she shared her bread and straw with the poor Lorraine, who was confined in this cellar of a poor little infant. Her only covering and bed was straw. Well, it seems that Goubin's wife could not bear it, and so— "'Going out at all risks, even of being killed by her husband, who was looking for her everywhere, "'she left the cellar in open day and came to me. "'She knew I had still a little money left, and that I could assist her if I would. "'So when Helmina had told me all about poor Lorraine, who was obliged to lie with her newborn babe on straw, "'I told her to bring them both to my room at once, and I would take a chamber for her next to mine.' this i did and oh how happy she was poor lorraine when she found herself in the bed with her babe beside her in a little couch which i had bought for her helmina and i nursed her until she was able to get about again and then with the rest of my money i enabled her to return to her washing-tubs and when all your money was spent on lorraine and her infant what did you do my child inquired rudolph I looked for work, but it was too late. I can so very well. I have good courage and thoughts. I only had to ask for work and get it. Ah, <laughs> How I deceived myself. I went into a shop where they sell ready-made linen and ask for employment. And as I would not tell a story, I said I had just left prison. They showed me the door without making me any answer. I begged they would give me a trial, and they pushed me into the street as if I had been a thief." then i remembered too late what rigolette had told me little by little i sold my small stocks of clothes and linen and when all was gone they turned me out of my lodging i had not tasted food for two days i did not know where to sleep at this moment i met the ogress and one of her old women who knew where i lodged and was always coming about me since i left prison they told me they would find me work and i believed them I went with them so exhausted for want of food that my senses were gone. They gave me brandy to drink, and, and here I am, said the unhappy creature, hiding her face in her hands. Have you lived a long time with the ogress, my poor girl? asked Rudolph in accents of the deepest compassion. Six weeks, sir, replied Gouleuse, shuddering as she spoke. I oh, see, said the chourineur. I know you now as well as if I were your father and mother and you had never left my lap. Well, well, this is a confession indeed. It makes you sad, my girl, to tell the story of your life, said Rudolph. (gasps) Alas, sir, replied Fleur-de-Marie sorrowfully, since I was born, this is the first time it ever happened to me to recall all these things at once, and my tale is not a merry one. (laughs) Well, said the chourineur ironically, "'You're sorry, perhaps, that you are not a kitchen-wench in a cook-shop "'or a servant to some old brutes who think of no one but themselves?' "'Ah,' said Fleur de Marie, with a deep sigh, "'to be quite happy, we must be quite virtuous.' "'Oh, what is your little head about now?' "'exclaimed the Chourineur with a loud burst of laughter. "'Why not count your rosary in honour of your father and mother, whom you never knew?' My father and mother abandoned me in the street like a puppy that is one too many in the house, perhaps because they had not enough to feed themselves. Said Goualeuse with bitterness. I want nothing of them. I, I complain of nothing, but there are lots happier than mine. Yours? Well, what would you have? You're as handsome as Venus, and yet only sixteen and a half. You sing like a nightingale. Behave yourself very prettily. Are called Fleur de Marie, and yet you complain. "'What will you say I should like to know "'when you will have a stove under your paddlers "'in a chinchilla bower like the ogress?' Oh, "'I shall never be as old as she is. "'Perhaps you have a chore for never growing any older?' "'No, but I could not lead such a life. "'I have already a bad cough.' yeah, I say you're already in the cold meat-box. "'Go on, you silly child, you!' "'Do you often have such thoughts as these, goualeuse "'said Rudolph. "'Sometimes. You, perhaps, Monsieur Rudolph, understand me. "'In the morning, when I go to buy my milk from the milkwoman "'at the corner of the Rue de Ville d'Arferie, "'with the souge which the ogress gives me, "'and see her go away in her little cart drawn by her donkey, "'I do envy her so, and I say to myself, "'She is going into the country, to the pure air, to her home and family, "'and then I return alone into the garret of the ogress, "'where you cannot see plainly even at noonday.' "'Well, child, be good. "'Laugh at your troubles. "'Be good,' said the Chourineur. "'Good? "'Mon Dieu, how do you mean be good? "'The clothes I wear belong to the ogress, "'and I am in debt to her for my board and lodging. "'I cannot stir from her. "'She would have me taken up as a thief. "'I belong to her, and I must pay her.' When she had uttered these last words, the unhappy girl could not help shuddering, and a tear trembled in her long eyelashes. Well, but remain as you are, and do not compare yourself to country milkwoman, said the i Are sure oh, you taking leave of your senses? I only think, you may yet cut a figure in the capital, while well, the milkwoman must boil the pot for her brats, milk her cows, gather grass for her rabbits, and perhaps after all get a black eye from her husband when he comes home from the pot-house. Why, it is really ridiculous to hear you talk of envying her. The goualeuse did not reply. Her eye was fixed, her heart was full, and the expression of her face was painfully distressed. Rudolph had listened to the recital made with so pitiful a frankness with deep interest. Misery, destitution, ignorance of the world had weighed down this wretched girl, cast at sixteen years of age on the wide world of Paris. Rudolph involuntarily thought of a beloved child whom he had lost, a girl dead at six years of age, and who, had she survived, would have been, like Flodra Marie sixteen years and a half old. This recollection excited the more highly his solicitude for the unhappy creature whose narration he had just heard. End of chapter 3